All right, so we are back recording podcasts again. Now, I have a bit of an intro before I introduce our guest. I am rebranding the show to be now called Chasing Common Ground, Lifestyle Conversations with Chris Little. And for anybody who has been listening to the show since like October 2018, they will have previously known it as the Lifestyle Chase. And the reason that I have rebranded it is just basically to better describe what the conversations are about and broaden the, the guest repertoire of which I can connect to you. But I won't waste too much time with that intro because I want to introduce our guest, Monica Gross. Did I say your last name right? You did say my last name right. Gross. It's okay. disgusting. <laughs> so how are, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on. And I love the rebrand as well, finding common ground and that just stands to me like connecting with people of, of all different backgrounds, I guess. And just, you know, as you said, finding common ground, which is so important, I think, in today's society and finding connection and uh, things like that. So really happy to be here. That's well, I mean, like, that's exactly it. I actually had like a one person conversation with Chat GPT for like two hours to actually come up with that. But you describe the rationale of which led me to that name. So that's perfect. I'm glad that it came through. Most of my audience won't know who you are. So let's introduce who you are and some fun facts about you. My name is Monica Gross. I am a comedian in Toronto. I'm also an accountant. I used to be full-time accountant and now I'm part-time accountant, part-time comedian, hoping to get to full-time comedian. So that's a bit of background on me. I also make videos and sketches on social media at Monica Gross 22. There's my plug. So I'm just trying to, you know, figure out my life path and what I love and what sets my soul on fire, I guess, which I have found to be comedy. So that's that's where I'm at. And yesterday, Zach Brass shared two of my videos. So that was the highlight of my career thus far. Thank you for all the well wishes from everybody who sent me well wishes on that. I'm very, very excited to be in the Scrubs reboot. Well, I was just, I was watching your story and I saw how like fired up you got about that. And so I had it like written down on, so we're going to definitely talk about the, the Zach Brass share. <laughs> Great. I'm um, glad that's a point that we're getting to. I'm glad that's a point of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, like, what is it like to be just trying to, like, get some momentum and then you get a little win like that in a day? Like, what was your genuine reaction? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to understand if you're doing the right thing and if you're following the right path. And I think especially with something like comedy, everyone is kind of on their own paths too, right? Because you have to think, do you want to go the route of just, you know, trying to get into the top comedy clubs and tour? Or do you want to go into the route of sketch? Or, you know, how much networking are you supposed to do? How much politics? How much sucking up? All of those things, which I think are also relevant to any career path. And so I was actually right before that in a state of thinking, you know, am I am I doing the right thing? Am I should I be reaching out to more people? Should I be trying to get on more shows? Should I be going to more open mics? And I was getting lost in all of that. And then something like the Zach Brass thing happens where this huge celebrity just shares some of your posts and just 
gives you, you know, some validation that they like something that you're doing. And I just thought to myself, I just have to stay true to myself and what I want to do and and the path that I'm on without the constant questioning and comparing to everyone else. And so it was just kind of a nice feeling of, okay, I'm just going to keep doing what feels right to me and what's genuine to me because obviously that's working. But obviously there's a lot of times where you don't get the external validation from that too. But those moments where you do, it, it, it's nice and it kind of pushes you to keep going on. Well, I mean, I feel like 80% of the time you don't get that external validation and you just have to put in the work anyways. I think there's a lot of crossover between like the comedy space and the fitness space as far as like making a viable career out of it because a lot of people will try and try and try and they won't hit their stride and then they'll just give up. They'll go back to a more conventional career. But as I was preparing for this episode, I was kind of curious, like, what was life like for you as you were starting up your accounting career? Like, where was the transition where you decided, like, maybe I should try like a, like a fun job instead? Well, I guess I was in the point of, you know, my, my late teens, early 20s, where you have to pick something and go to university and do the same thing as everyone else, because that's what's told to you. And they promise happiness if you do that, you know, subtly. So I did it. I did all the stuff. I did all the things. I, you know, became an accountant. I worked at a big company. I I got another job for a lot of money. And I was like, wait, where's the happiness? I'm miserable, you know? And then in that process, I was actually asked when I was working at the large accounting firm to to perform in a comedy show for charity one of my friends that also worked there said you know you're funny will you do this and I did it and then after that everyone said oh you should get into stand-up comedy you're so funny so then I did it one more time and I did terribly I bombed and that was in 2018 and I was like I'm not going to do this again that was so awful and then the pandemic hit and then I was depressed and then I thought what am I doing you know like what What's the purpose here? What's what makes me happy? And I knew deep down it was comedy and I knew I had to try that again. So that's when I when I started up again. But when I look back at my path, I mean, I don't regret it. I think, you know, doing the accounting career taught me a lot. It taught me a lot of what I like, what I don't like. It did give me some of the stability and it gives me the stability now to be able to also pursue comedy as well. But yeah, I think the lesson to be learned is is if there is something inside you, even if it's as crazy as going into stand-up comedy, it's something that I think in this life you have to explore because you only get one shot. Yep. I mean, that's something that I almost preach constantly within like anybody that I've talked to, any of the posts that I make is like, there's no sense in not trying the thing that you actually want to do because you're not really going to get another opportunity to try it and like even if we go the conventional path like it takes like time to actually get to hit your stride whether you choose like accounting or plumbing or electrician or like teacher or doctor like it does take time so applying like the same patience and stick to whatever you choose 
would pay off when you're preparing for your like material is it all kind of like based on life experiences or is it stuff that you're kind of drawing are you creating kind of a character like what's your process for that yeah it's definitely based on life experiences and i think that's why i'm happy that i didn't just go into comedy right away as well because going into accounting or trying to figure out other things has given me the life experience to be able to write about those things as well. And, you know, sometimes I wish, like I'm 29 and sometimes I think, oh, how much further I would have been if I started comedy at 22. But also at 22, I, I don't think I had enough to talk about or I had been through enough or I had really processed some, some of the things that I'm talking about now. And so I think that's also just another argument towards, you know, of course, follow the things that you want. But I also think it's kind of state, right? Like when the time is right, when you're ready, things will happen. You know, I I did comedy twice in 2018 and then not again for four years. And maybe at that time, I just wasn't ready. It just wasn't for me. And now is is the time. Right. So I kind of forget what your initial question was because I went on such a tangent, but I think I don't remember what your question was. So essentially just trying to. Oh, my material, my material. That's what you, right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So I just pull on real life experience. I pull on what I'm going through. I mean, I'm 29. I'm thinking of freezing my eggs soon. And so, you know, that's a topic that I've been writing on recently you know, dating life, work life, just observational, just, you know, what goes through my head. I find a lot of times if I'm on walks, I'll just be thinking and then I'll just stop on the street. I can pull myself over and I'll just make a note in my notes app because I would have a thought for a premise or something like that. So I guess, yeah, pulling, pulling on life and it's always how I've coped with life humor. So it's, really nice and beautiful to be able to use that as an expression and connect with others over it when I'm performing comedy. Well, I think it's kind of important for just like life in general, because we don't, nobody has a perfect life. Like if we think somebody else does, we're, we're making assumptions or we're only seeing the highlight reel. Mm -hmm. One of my close friends and I, we often exchange memes back and forth and it's mostly making fun of like my past, like, dating fails and stuff like that but as I've like progressed in my career and stuff I've been like this kind of it's funny like what are you gonna do go back and change things you can't so you just make the most of it and learn from it and if you can monetize it and so it's like if you're out there building a career based on like your ability to see the see the light side and like some probably frustrating and like character building moments that's not a bad thing because it makes life a lot more sustainable because like silly things just keep coming and i mean i try to have like a bit of like a a humorous lens through how i approach fitness like talking to clients and teaching people stuff and trying to make the whole like workout in the gym less intimidating and less serious Because like people like to laugh. And so that's kind of probably why your content showed up in my like explore page. Because I like to laugh and then your stuff popped up and I was like, oh, that's that's pretty funny. Keep following. But when it comes to putting your stuff together, performing for a crowd, 
what kind of material have you put together that didn't really land the way you wanted it to? And what did you learn from that? Yeah, that's a hard one. I find some of maybe my more specific or niche jokes sometimes don't land. Like sometimes some of the therapy ones won't land if they're a bit like if I'm trying to talk about anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, like just therapy terms that maybe not everyone knows. Uh, Sometimes if I try to get very personal, like talking about my family or, you know, divorce or things like that, it, it, it can kind of make people pull back or be nervous, you know. Um, they're they're scared to laugh if they think it's rude to laugh or there's a pity aspect of it. So it, it's a fine line because comedy is all about pressing on people's nerves, right? Like laughing is an involuntary response. I can't tell you to laugh at you laugh. It's pressing on one of your nerves. And so sometimes you press on the wrong nerve, right? And that's why people also get so upset over comedy and and cancel comedians and things like that because they it hit the wrong nerve and so I think what it's taught me is just that in comedy you know and as you were saying if you can monetize it you know that's that's where it also becomes difficult because comedy for me is such a beautiful beautiful thing and a bonding and a connection and a coping mechanism and so personal to me And the aspect of monetizing it can also be very difficult because once you start to try to monetize something, you're putting more focus on, you know, how do I sell tickets? How do I make this crowd happy? You're putting the focus outwards. So just balancing that and then knowing, okay, things may have bombed, things may not be working, but that's the process. And for me to remain authentic and do this the way that I want to do it, I have to stay vulnerable. And if that means bombing sometimes, then it is what it is. And I can adjust or I can try to do it in a different way. And it it creates a challenge, which is also a good thing, because I think to myself, okay, how do I make this funny and work towards that versus just giving up or trying to please the audience? Because the audience also knows when you're just trying to please them and, and make jokes for them. I mean, that's not what they came to see. They came to connect with someone based on their real life and their vulnerabilities. Or, you know, if you are a a comic who puts on an act, whatever it is, they're coming to connect with you. They're not, you know, coming there and then me saying, what do you guys want? And waiting for a response. Like, no, that's also my responsibility to to do that. So it's a balance. Mm-hmm. I feel like it would be kind of like finding like your your sense of flow, your flow state with kind of enjoying the material that you're going through because it's material that you genuinely are able to laugh at. It's not material that you think that other people are necessarily going to laugh at. It's just like this is your peak of humor speaking from experiences or stories that you've heard and stuff like that. It's kind of like most successful businesses are generally successful because they enjoy the the process of what they do. Mm-hmm. And then the success is the outcome of that. They're not necessarily successful because they're like, yeah, I need to hit this amount of revenue per year. It's oftentimes because they've kind of created like the structure and they are feeling fulfilled and they have a sense of purpose. But the day-to-day of having to perform in front of people has got to be kind of like 
exhausting sometimes. What's your what's your daily routine? Like, how do you stay at your best? Do you have some kind of like a ritual before you perform? It's exhausting and I'm not good at it. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could tell you I do some kind of meditation and read and freaking thing, but it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to do something where it's such an adrenaline rush late at night. And then afterwards, if you do well, you're on a high. If you do poorly, you're on a low. Either way, it's difficult to calm down. I mean, the pros, what they'll do is they'll perform. And afterwards, they're mentally strong enough to turn it off, right? They perform. They say, okay, maybe I'll reflect on this tomorrow or for half an hour to see how I could have done better or what I did great and what I should keep doing. And then they shut it down and they go to bed. I'm still trying to get to that point because I'm still so into it. But I also know that if I want to be in this long term and for the longevity of it, I need to take on that mindset because I cannot function when I'm up until 3 a.m. just on my phone or still wired from from the show. So that's I, I won't tell you how I do that because I don't do it well, but I will tell you that a goal of mine is to do that well, which would be performing and then compartmentalizing it perhaps in a way to think about it at another time or to think about it for a little bit and then go to bed wake up the next day what a lot of people say is you can think about a set until noon the next day what you could have done better what you did good and then you move on so that's kind of the goal and then of course you know having the accounting role which thankfully is part-time and not very taxing but yeah, I mean, balancing those two at times is difficult, but definitely my heart is with comedy. And I think that everybody knows that. So, of course, I do my job, but I definitely get a little bit distracted at times. Well, I mean, like, I know what that's like. As I was kind of transitioning, I was in a warehouse space before I transitioned into the fitness industry. And as it led up to that, like, flip the switch moment, I was definitely, like, more and more distanced from the old career and, like, way more captivated with, like, the idea of the new career. And, like, if I had waited any longer, it would probably have been forced upon me, like, get the hell out of here, go do what you want to do kind of thing. Yeah. But one thing that I wanted to point out, because you talked about how, like, the professionals do this and they don't have any trouble sleeping, they don't have any trouble shutting it down. And I was recently listening to a podcast with Matt Reif as the guest. And so like his, everybody thinks that it's like an overnight success, but he was building it up over the last like 10 years. And he did lots of shows as a kid and stuff like that. But he was talking about how he has like debilitating insomnia. Like he cannot fall asleep no matter what he does. And so I think that brings us back to like, even the people that are maybe in a position where we may wish to be sometime. Like they don't have it all out. We're just kind of like making it up as we go. And it's just kind of like about like making the most of each moment and sort of enjoying the journey and not trying your best not to compare it to other people. Cause like if I compare it to other people in my industries, like I wouldn't do anything. I'd be like, oh, this isn't enough. Like I'm never gonna be anyone. Um, and I think that's important for everybody, no matter what journey that they're on. So you're based out of Toronto. I visited there last year. 
what is your favorite thing about the scene in Toronto? Like, what, what are the things that stand out to you about that, that city? The Toronto comedy scene specifically? Toronto comedy scene, even just like the community feel or just like things about the city that stand out to you? Yeah, I mean, I was born and raised in a Toronto suburb, so it's just always been home for me. All of my family and friends are there. Yeah. Um, there's been good times, there's been bad times, there's been in the middle times in Toronto, but it is home. And in terms of the Toronto comedy scene, it also feels like home now. I mean, I've been doing comedy for a little over a year, but I've made friendships that I know are going to last a lifetime. And I also think that's a function of doing something that I love and finally being in a space that I love. And I think that when you're in that position, you're naturally around people that feel the same and can feel that energy from you. And it just creates this bond because you're already, you already have something in common that is so special to you that it becomes easy to become part of this community, which is a really beautiful thing. And so for me, the Toronto comedy scene has become like family and I have so many close friends there and so many people that I respect, so many people that I look up to. And it's it's a it's been a really beautiful time and place for me. So that's probably the highlight of Toronto for me right now. But then, of course, there's also the aspect of, you know, my family and friends that I've I've had forever that have supported me before this too. So yeah, Toronto's home. Sweet. Is that like the only place you've ever known as far as home goes that you moved around? Is that just been home base your whole life? Yeah, I've, I've traveled. I was in New Zealand and Australia for a few months before the pandemic hit. And then I had to come home because of the pandemic. And, you know, I've traveled Europe for a few months, uh, South America for a month. Yeah, I mean, none of them have been home. They've all been nice. I, I like doing longer travels and kind of settling into places and getting to know people. But yeah, for me, Toronto's always been home. I mean, I've always, you know, thought of moving to the States or something, especially for coffee, because there's such a ceiling and Canada but you know the whole visa process and citizen process is very difficult but that it, it's it's a goal but then at the same time my whole life is in Toronto so I don't know I guess the the real goal would be to create a large enough fan base where I could tour in the states get a visa and tour in the states and kind of get a name from all of those things to be able to work on projects that I would want to work on like a Mindy Kaling, but at a, you know, smaller scale or at the same scale, whatever, you know, dream big. Put a ceiling yeah, on yourself. <laughs> I don't know why I do that, but I do that. But yeah, I, I guess that would that would kind of be the goal. And it's been nice recently, especially since Zach Braff posted, gotten messages saying, where do you perform? Are you coming to LA? Are you coming to New York? I'd love to see you. And that's really encouraging as well to know that maybe that could at one point be a tour a path that I could do well I mean one of my favorite things about podcasts is like you talk to a person at one point in their career and you see all this time go by and then you get to be the one that can kind of circle back and be like remember when we talked about that one thing when you're like wouldn't it be nice to do this 
And then you went and did it like two years later. And like, I've seen it enough people, like I've seen so many people say, well, like one day I want to do this, or this is my goal for the next five years. And then they went and did it that like, I just assume that it's going to happen when people are kind of like talking about their different upcoming goals and dreams and stuff with regards to traveling. Have you found that it has sort of reframed how you position yourself in comedy? Does it kind of give you like a broader outlook on things where it's like you frame a joke differently because of your travel experiences and because of the exposure to all the diverse different communities and stuff versus if you hadn't traveled? That's an interesting question. You know, I found recently a lot of my jokes have been Toronto focused and not ideal, especially because uh, posting on social media, I'd like to hit the states mainly. I mean, you know, that's the purpose to hit people in New York and L.A. But in terms of traveling, I think it's taught me that the rest of the world is not like North America in terms of work-life balance. Before I started traveling and I was an accountant and I was just raised in a certain way, I thought the rest of the world was like that. And then you go to Europe, you go to south america you go to australia and it's you know the live to work versus work to live mindset and they don't care about their jobs you know like it's not their life and then it's very hard to come back to toronto and try to settle back into this lifestyle and you can say you know oh, i've traveled and i'm worldly and i'm gonna come back and i'm gonna implement the changes in my life and not work in this way. But it's very hard when that's the entire culture and that's the entire, all of your friends and family are doing that. Like, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to work and I'm going to say, hey, I'm going to leave at five o'clock and I want five weeks vacation because that's what they do in speed. They're going to be like, well, you're fired. I don't care, you know? So it's easy to say, oh, this is not how people are living. I don't want to live this way. But then when home is somewhere like Toronto, and everyone else is doing that, it can be very hard to put yourself back in that position. And yeah, when I came home from uh, Australia, New Zealand, especially, and it was a strange time, COVID was starting. It was a time where I really thought, what, what do I want to do? Because I had quit my job before I traveled to Australia, New Zealand, and I had given up my apartment. And I was like, I'm going to go to Australia with a one-way ticket, which is what I did. But then I had to come home. So I moved back in with my mom and I didn't have a job. And I thought, okay, well, what the heck am I going to do now? And it gave me the time to actually think about it. And there's also, of course, a stigma around being unemployed and not having income and things like that. And it was my mom who said, just relax. Like, no one cares. You're okay. It's like you're unemployed for, I don't know, a few months, a year. It's not going to make such an impact in your life just figure it out and it's crazy looking back for me to have even been freaking out about that I mean I worked at a huge accounting firm I made money I worked at a I did a lot of things yet I was still freaking out that I was unemployed for a couple months you know but that time away really gave me time to think what do I actually want to do I want to do part-time accounting even if I'm not making tons of money even if I'm not moving up in my career because that's not something I care about. And I want to spend the rest of the time doing things that I love. And at the time, I didn't know what that was. And it's moved into comedy. And so to answer your question about 
rephrasing jokes from traveling sometimes i mean there's there's an element of that but then there's also an element of staying true to yourself right versus trying to please others and i also think that toronto is so multicultural and there's so many people of different backgrounds especially in the comedy scene you know i'm not in any sort of bubble in in the comedy scene I, i guess the comedy bubble but there's people of all different backgrounds that you know, I, I had to learn quickly to not just cater to my friends who would just laugh at everything I said or be relatable to everything I said. I think that a good comedian, well, there's two camps. There's the one camp of a good comedian can make anyone laugh in any room. But then there's the other camp of a good comedian can find their fan base and their people and make them laugh. So it just, again, it's the ambiguity of choosing what you want and how you want to do things. That's solid. I mean, like, it's true. Canada just has so much diversity as it is that it's kind of like we almost get an opportunity to learn about a different culture just from like going shopping. And I think that's solid because it helps people to learn more about themselves and it helps people to have like a broader perspective on what life can be instead of thinking that we have to be a certain way because this is what everybody does. We get more exposure to how other people do things and we can kind of choose our own adventure based on that. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, and those are my favorite shows where I'm doing shows in front of people that on the street, we would have nothing in common. I would probably never, they're friends, not because they're bad people, but just because there would never be an instance where we ran into each other and became friends. And then to do a show in, in front of such different people from me, but be able to bond over a laugh and be able to connect over humor. And then after the show, have them come up to me and say, hey, I love this joke. I, you know, that was great. I connected to this and become Connected to these people is just such a beautiful thing, you know, to be able and and get out of my circle and see people from different backgrounds, cultures, races, et cetera, et cetera, and connect with them. It's It's been really amazing. That's one of my favorite parts for sure. When it comes to connecting on a joke, is there a joke that somebody pointed out that they're, wow, like I really resonated with that one. Can you recall any of them? Not- you know, jokes on corporate life, accounting life that people connect with if they've been in an accounting job or a corporate job. It's about like wishing that, you know, you would get hit by a car uh, during your corporate job, like not hard enough where you would die, but like where you could get some time off work, like paid kind of thing. That's the premise. And then I don't know, just, you know, little, little lines here and there. Of course, you know, dating jokes sexual jokes that it's just a a common theme I guess you know like I have one joke and I say you know I don't want to be on hormonal birth control just a personal choice but then I also don't want to wear condoms because I want men to like me and it's like that's like a you know uh, that gets a laugh from any you know it's a it's a general kind of concept so things like that where it's just like a nice common experience that a lot of people have I mean some of your jokes land in ways that like I've never heard somebody deliver things in a certain way because I'm like, holy crap, like that hurt my <laughs> So like let's dive into like 
crappy dating stories because this is something that I think is going to resound with a lot of people. And I have my fair share that I can draw from too, but it's your turn. So like if you could recall some of like your worst dating stories that are appropriate that if my parents are listening to the show that they wouldn't be offended, what do you have to draw from? Oh, parents trying to set me up. That's that's a rough one. That's a rough line to crawl because it's like at points I'm like, you know what, Monica, just try it out. Don't say no, just be open, you know? And every time I've been open to my parents trying to set me up, I completely regret it. I no offense to this man or offense, I don't know, but my mom tried to set me up with this guy because she knew his mom and we were supposed to go on a walk and it was raining. And so I said, you know, let's not go because it's raining. And so he told his mom that I canceled. And then his mom told my mom that he that I canceled. And then my mom told me and I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, are like, just just crazy things like that. And then to be fair, I did call him the wrong name on our date, like not even close to the right name. But also, in my defense, he didn't have social media. And then I never saved his number in my and I get that it was bad. Okay, I get it was not good. But it was right at the beginning of the date. So if you hate me because I called you the wrong name, just just swallow it and then just never talk to me again. That's fine. I understand. But it was like throughout the date, he had to bring it up. He's like, oh, you called me the wrong name. You called me the wrong name. I'm like, I don't know what else. Like, I I'm sorry. You know, I don't know what else to do at this point. So it's yeah, it's. I don't know. Stuff like that. And there's probably so many that I've blacked out in my memory. But that's the premise, I guess, of one of the. Well, I mean, I feel like it's only fair if I share one of mine, too. Yes. So here's one of mine. I think it was like 10 years ago. I was on a online dating date and I was out of ideas. I'd gone to so many different coffee places. I was tired of drinking coffee, but I wanted it to be a low pressure, low key first date. And so I picked up from, I think it was like Oreo ice cream from the grocery store. And I met this girl at the park and then we met up, we had our ice cream, things were good. And then I was like, you know, this is kind of like a a half-ass date. And so I had this gift card for Earl's in my wallet. And so then we went to Earl's. And I was so nervous because like we were ordering way more than what I was like thinking that we would order. So it was going to be a pretty expensive bill. And then at the end, she was like, yeah, I just, I don't feel a connection with you. I don't feel like this is going anywhere. And it kind of, it stung. And I packed that away. This was like, I was in my early twenties and I was like, whatever, move on, on to the next one. Well, plot twist, 10 years later, she finds me on the dating app again. And like, this is one of my dates that I don't have any connections with on social media. So I don't think she'll find my podcast. So I'm in clear there. But she was like, I think that we went on a date like a million years ago. And she was like, am I crazy? I'm like, I think you're crazy. And then I started like looking at her pictures and stuff. And was like, wait a second. I recognize this girl. And she was like going by her like short form name, not her full name. And so that's kind of what tripped me up. But then as I started to like remember her, I started to get like this feeling of just like sadness and anger combined, like a grounded anger where it's like, I understand I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea, but just like, why is she coming at me again? 
Like she already said she didn't feel a connection. So in the time that has passed since she had had two kids, um, it didn't work out with the person that she had the kids with. And then she comes back to me to talk about like, do you, do you think we have a connection and stuff? And we're diving into this. And she's like, don't you think you're like a little bit jaded? And like, this was before she even knew anything about me or what I, where I was at in my life. And I was like, I felt insulted by this because I was coming into this with an open mind and she had already rejected me once. And then as we're getting to know each other, I'm like, yeah, well, like, I mean, I just, there's certain things that I want in my life and it seems like you've already done a lot of the things in your life. And maybe some of these things won't line up. Like if a person's already had kids and I'm thinking, well, I want to have kids one day, but you're already done with that. Well, that kind of sucks for me. And so we're navigating all these conversations. And then I actually like had the best attitude about this. And I was willing to go for coffee with her again for our 10 year reunion. And she ghosted me. <laughs> she just, um, and it's just like, it's because that's sort of like the, that's what I notice in online dating. It's just like you meet people for the second time in a row yeah. and it didn't work because they maybe just didn't quite get it right the first time. And there's so many like, the conversation starts and it's, hey, how's it going? And you're like, good, you? And then that's the last you hear from them. So that's why it was so easy to share some of your posts in my story. Because I'm like, I relate to this. Yeah, we were later and ghosty. Like, I didn't even get to say, like, how my day was. or Classic. <laughs> that's also, you know, that's also gets to a point where you realize, you know, people just want attention. They want the validation. They want to say, oh, you're still here. Oh, you don't be with me? Okay, cool. I'm going to put that in my back pocket for the next 10 years, you know? But then, yeah, I, I like to go at it from the other side with this kind of, like, dryness. of Like, so you said this, and now we're doing this. Like, what do you, you know? And just, like, the basics of it, right? Because we've all been through that. We've all been, I think, you know, we've all been definitely on one side and i'm sure there's people who have been on both sides of that you know so it's yeah it's relatable especially with the apps even with just texting even with just anyone who you have this connection with but there's these unknowns that you don't want to say and that you're that you know are socially unacceptable to express but we're all thinking them things like that you know yeah well i mean it's Life has taught me to just be a lot more like direct with my communication and just like take everything in stride. Like I joke about how I'm going to like write a book about all of my chronicles of like the online dating and just like dating in general, because I feel like I've gathered more stories than your average person, but I choose it to be like my way of relating to people. Like when people like, oh, I had the worst day and I'm like, I'm ready for it. Like, I'm pretty sure I can empathize with you. I got a lot of compassion in in the bank here. Yeah. But yeah, like it's, I think it's important for people to be able to laugh about the things that might be the things that like crush them during times of self-doubt to times of isolation, stuff like that. Like I know that everybody going through COVID probably learned something extremely humbling about themselves yeah. like for myself i saw a virtual counselor like three or four times mm-hmm. and i just unpacked like three years worth of stuff and it was so nice for them to listen to it and hear it and be like wow 
that's a lot. And just like that was valuable. And it's just when I work with people within the realm of like fitness and stuff, they're doing more than fitness. They got life stuff. They're getting dumped. They're meeting people for the first time. And it's like to give them that feeling of, of resilience where it's like they can make light of it. They can learn from the lessons and they can go with their best foot forward in the next interaction. Like, I think that's important for people. And so that's like when I'm sharing stuff on Instagram, I'm sharing the funny stuff, the fitness stuff. I'm sharing like the kind of make light of tough situations because I'm hoping that people learn that that's sort of like one of the best ways that you can stay at your best. Do you have a second funny story? by any chance well just to just to build off your point you know that's life and i don't regret any of the relationships or the dates or the hard times that you've had because as you said it helps you relate to others i mean hard times are so important that's where so much of my comedy comes from and that leads to connection and it leads to arch you know as corny as that sounds but it, it leads to connection with others, empathy, compassion, all of these things that are so important to building deeper relationships. And, you know, to put yourself out there and to be vulnerable is so difficult, but it's so vital and it creates something so beautiful at the end of the day. And people who are, you know, scared to do that or think they're too cool or settle or things like that. I mean, I think eventually they get to a point where maybe they can relate to others but to really just dive into life it just creates even this conversation between me and you you know being able to understand each other and where we're coming from and share these stories and laugh over them and cry over them and feel life over them that's that's to me the whole purpose of it you know and you can't tap the light without the darkness which I truly believe and the downs are rough but to find a coping mechanism, you know, for you, I I think it's fitness and the connection with your clients and connection with others in your podcast. For me, it's the comedy and, you know, connection through that, just expressing ourselves. It's so beautiful and it's it's life, you know, like it's it's life. So, yeah, to answer your question. Another dating story. Oh, you know, in the past couple of years, I. I haven't been dating as much just because comedy has been such a priority. I've been dating a little bit more now. And that's where some of the content is being derived from. And that's the content that people love because it's, it is it is relatable. And I'm like, maybe I'll just go on dates and just read the content. But no, then it's inauthentic, you know. But um, another dating story. I went on a date with this guy. And this was really stupid of me. But I was trying to. I was starting to try and balance my comedy life with my dating life because I was like, oh, I should date whatever. And so he asked me when I was free and I had shows that week, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I was like, well, I can't tell this guy I'm busy for the whole week. I'm trying to balance my life. So I said, I'm free Saturday, but I would have to leave at 930 because I'm on a comedy show because I couldn't just say I have to leave at 930. Like, where am I going 930 on a Saturday, you know? So I did yeah. that and he said, oh, my God, that's so cool. You can say no, no problem. But do you mind if I come to the show? And I was like, OK, how bad could it be? You know, like how? <laughs> yeah, it was bad. But we 
Yeah, we went on the date and the hard part was that I was kind of into him. And so then I was in a dating nervous mode. I wasn't in like a time to perform comedy about my sex life and getting hit by a car in accounting mode. And, you know, so we went to the show and I did fine. You know, like I did okay. Someone came up to me after they said, I'm a producer in Montreal. If you're ever in Montreal, here's my card. I did well enough to get that recognition. I got some laughs, but I didn't do as good as I like to do or as I usually do. So yeah, I, I was, then I was in a bit of a bad mood just because that's how I am after I don't do as well at a show that I want to do. And then the problem was we went for drinks beforehand and then we kind of had to rush to my comedy show and I didn't like my drink and I don't really like drinking before shows. So he downed his drink and my drink that we went to the comedy club and he bought another drink because that's the appropriate thing to do. And then he bought another drink at the end, but I was like, we have to leave because I already said bye. So he downed that one. So then he was like a little bit tipsy and he had driven to the place. And I was like, well, you can't drive home. So do you just want to come to my house? Not to like, sorry if he's listening to this, but not to like do anything physical, but just because you're drunk and you can't drive. So he ended up ended up sleeping on my couch and I had like no food in my fridge I just had these like jupe jupes because I had gone to a bachelorette and they like forced me to take home food so I was like feeding him jupe jupes and he was just sleeping on my couch and then I was in my bed and I was so hungry so I like went out to get an apple and I knew he was awake but I didn't want to talk to him so then I had to take the apple into my room and eat it in my room and then he left at like 7 a.m and my friends were like how do you get yourself into these messes and I was like I don't I don't know. Like, and I hadn't been dating because I was doing so much comedy. And the one date I go on, this guy ends up like passing out on my couch, eating my jupe jupes. And I had an apple in my room. Anyways, it was like a fine enough date. But I was like, I don't, it, I don't think so. You know, I don't know. Sorry. The connection, connection wasn't there. Well, I don't know. That story went like way off the rails and was personal. But if you're listening, shout out, you know, I don't know. That's funny. Well, I'll do my due diligence. I'll rally back with one of my own stories and then we'll kind of bring the episode to a close. So my story took place probably about like, again, eight to 10 years ago. Um, I had met this girl on one of the apps. And we decided we were going to go for coffee. And then if everything was going well, we would go to the art gallery because I decided I'd be fancy that day. So we meet up for coffee. We're having the coffee about halfway through. And then I get a text from one of my friends who had been crashing on my place that week. And he was like, I locked your key in your condo and I need to get in to get my key. And I'm like, oh my God, he's, yeah, I'm just like walking around outside. I'm cold. My keys are inside your place and I need to get into your place. So I basically had to chug the coffee and I wanted to make sure that this girl knew that I wasn't just trying to ditch her. So I was like, do you want to carpool together to let my friend out of my place so that we can continue our date? She said, yeah, yeah, sounds good. And so I was like, oh man, like this girl is such a good sport. Like I can't believe she's going with me for this. And then so we drive like the 10 minutes to my place. Um, we let my friend into my place so that he can get his keys. And then she's going 
to the washroom and then he's outside and he's like, did you hear her laugh? And I was like, what? And then she comes back out and she like, he says something funny and then she laughs and she has one of those laughs. It's like an inhale. So it's like, oh my God. And that's like how she laughs at everything. He's like, I don't think I can get over them. I'm just going to be like accepting. She can laugh how she wants. I'm just along with this date. Um, and so she's used my washroom and this is a critical detail that I'll circle back to later because of the soap. We get in the car, we head to the art gallery. The art gallery is fun. We sit down at the benches, we check out the things. It's a good time. And then when we're driving back to drop her off and I was like, what's like the craziest dating story that you have ever had, like in your online dating experience. And she's telling me about this guy that had dish soap in his bathroom. He didn't just have like normal, like hand soap. And I was go, oh my God. Because what I did was with my hand soap, like container, I took like some hand friendly, like dish soap and I put it into like the fancy bathroom, like dispenser. Cause I was a total bachelor. I'm like she used dish soap at my house. <laughs> and then, so we go to drop her off and I was like, you know, I had a good time. Thanks for like putting up with all the craziness where we had to let my friend out and all that stuff. And she was like, actually, this was just an experiment. She was like, I just wanted to test like what guys are like on dates. This is like research for me. I'm not actually like looking to meet anybody. What the hell? I'm like, I just wasted like my whole day on a girl that's doing like a research experiment. And was like, ha, she washed her hands with dish soap. And, and that was that. She's just playing guys, just to, like see how they react in situations, get some free stuff. Like I paid for the coffee, I played, paid for the art gallery. It wasn't like expensive, but it was just like kind of the the whole thing where you're just being like played like a puppet for the day. That's so nice. But, it's like you have different intentions. You're obviously going in with the intention of trying to meet someone and form a connection. She's just like, don't care. Also, like, why would you like say that? Like just just ghost the person afterwards. Like be you know like. Yeah know well i'm glad that you find frustration in it too because at the moment i was like what the hell like how can you possibly like protect yourself from this where like people are just like doing research experiments like there needs to be a disclaimer all dates with me are research experiments not just i'm actually looking to meet somebody or anything like that but nonetheless one of many stories that gets stored in the vault. I just felt like it was only fair that if I was asking you to share stories, I got to share stories. Too. Honestly, we love a good vault. You know, it teaches you. And it, all my friends are like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to hear dating stories. Like, you're so fun. And I'm like, okay. But like, it, it's, it's kind of annoying when your relationship friends ask you that because I'm like, if you're so interested in dating stories, just dump your significant other and date yourself and leave me alone. But when my single friends ask me that, I'm like into it. But yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's life, you know, and it's fun and it's good for the pit learning and it's learning what you like and what you don't like. It's all, it's all, it teaches you also so much about yourself, you know, what are you attracted to? Why are you attracted to those things? Why are you attracted to people who treat you a certain way? What do you want to be attracted to? What do you want? So it's all life lessons, you know? So where do you see yourself in life? Like five years from now if you had to like paint a picture based on like 
how life is going now and where you want to be in the future? That's an interesting question. You know, it's hard because I think for my whole life, it's been taught to me to have goals and to, you know, monetize everything and to build things and move up in life. But I think, you know, I did that. And I wouldn't, I was actually having this discussion with someone yesterday. Like, I wouldn't say that the goal is happiness, but the goal is to do things that will derive happiness do things that I love and focus on the things that I want to be focusing on and just move forward in my life in that way and to trust myself and to know that the path that I'm going on is is going to be the right one for me because I trust myself enough to create that for myself and to also have compassion for myself because as you know it can be very hard to do a path or to do something that is not the norm that is not what everyone else is doing and to just be compassionate in moments where I look at others and think you know why can't I just be there in life because everyone's thinking that no matter what level you're at if I'm at a much higher level in comedy there are people who are at such higher levels and they're always trying to get more which is you know something that's good to strive towards But at the same time, to just be happy with the process and to be happy where I am and what I've accomplished and compassion for myself. And, you know, obviously there's the aspect of personal life as well. I mean, I would like to find a partner. And, you know, as I said, like I'm at an age where it makes sense for me to freeze my eggs and just to go along with that and, and that way and also not be hard on myself in that aspect. You know, it can be very easy when you're dating to look and say, what's wrong with me? Am I anxious attached? Am I avoidant attached? Why am I attracted to this? Why is this working? Why am I, have I just been with crappy guys? But something that I've understood is that I think everyone feels that way until they find the right person, you know? Like until you find the right person, yeah, of course every person has been the wrong person for you. So just showing compassion with myself in that way too and trying not to get too hard on myself not settling in life and just taking it day by day. And then, you know, also the goals of building this comedy thing that I love and just taking it day by day as well. And, you know, having these little wins, having viral videos and getting on shows and getting into comedy clubs, doing the thing. Yeah, that was that was a lot of words. I actually did want to mention I used to have a personal trainer and he was the best. I I loved him. He was so passionate about what he did. He changed my life in so many ways. He got me thinking in, you know, a different mindset in terms of my fitness and my health. And, you know, he, he really made me a healthier person, not just physically, but mentally too, you know, like, yeah, we would talk about things like diet and exercise, but he also brought in, you know, the importance of stress management and sleep and he got me to read a lot of really good books that changed my vision on health and just gave me a healthier self-image. So I wanted to just say that, you know, the fact that you're a personal trainer, I really relate to that because I had such a great personal trainer that I really connected with and changed my life. That was before COVID and then COVID hit and I haven't really seen him since, but I've kind of taken my fitness into my own hands, but I should reach out to him because I hope he's doing well. And Personal training can be such an intimate thing and, and connect you so well to people. And 
yeah, so I really respect what you do, just on another note. Throw that out there. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so with that, we're going to end the episode. I'll get you to stay on the call so that we can have some closing conversation. But thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. I hope my dating stories were fun because that's what I want them to be. I mean, yeah, some of them are lows, but you know, creates my life and my story and my comedy. So I really enjoyed it. And I'm so glad that you relate to my material. And, you know, I hope that everyone watching can check me out and relate to my material because that's what I'm trying to do. So this was great. Thank you.